Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally upon us. If you're looking to wager this year, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the Bracket Challenge, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use a mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Network. Thank you, as always, for being with us. And we have a very, very special guest with us today, who is Jerry Krasnick. He is the author of the book License to Deal, a season on the run with a Maverick baseball agent. Uh, that was back in 2005. He has a long history of writing, a long history of uh, being a, a baseball writer, of being uh, somebody that was a color commentator on ESPN uh, when it came to a sports broadcast. He has a 30-plus year career going back to the 1980s with regard to writing for the Cincinnati Post, writing for a newspaper in Portland, Maine, writing for the Denver Post, writing for Bloomberg, and of course, writing for ESPN for well over 15 years, and now is currently the Senior Advisor for Player Agent and Media Relations with Major League Baseball Players Association. So Jerry was very kind of us to join us for today's show, and uh, we will welcome him into the show here very shortly. All right, folks, this is uh, Jeremy Evans uh, with the Believe in Sports Law via the Believe Network. Today we have a very special guest uh, in Jerry Krasnick, who is a, in my opinion, a world-renowned uh, writer and a baseball commentator, somebody that uh, I've been following for years and, and just really appreciate him joining the show with us today. So, uh, Jerry, welcome to the show, and, and again, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course. So let's uh, let's get right into this, Jerry. So you've obviously, I mean, I consider you, I think many consider you to be a great writer uh, and, and really somebody of uh, you know, a passion, you know, for baseball. What sort of made you choose your career path, or, or, or maybe better said, did your career path choose, choose you? Yeah, I think it's probably more the latter. Um, I went to, I'm from uh, Portland, Maine, and I went to school at uh, Boston University, which always had a good communications program. And I guess in my dream world, I would have thought of being a sports writer, but it seemed like one of those jobs where it's like, can you really make a living doing that? It seems like too much fun, a little too frivolous. And uh, so I graduated and I was home uh, trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I answered an ad at a local paper, uh, the Biddeford Journal Tribune, which was uh, an afternoon paper about 
15 minutes from Portland and uh, Steve Buckley worked there. He's a writer with the athletic. He's been in a lot of places, uh, done a lot of great things. And he was there and hired me and I wound up covering high school sports and main college sports and a little American hockey league and that stuff. And then got into the newspaper business and really kind of found that I was at home. You know, it was what I enjoyed and wound up being a sports writer for 38 years. So uh, like you said, sometimes your career path uh, chooses you instead of you choosing it. Right. No, that's, that's great. And, you know, it's so, it's, it's so wonderful, Jerry, because, you know, baseball, and I, and I know that you know this and you've written, you've written on this both in sort of the column and uh, sort of article space, but also, you know, you've got, obviously you've got a great book uh, licensed to deal out there and uh, a season on the run with, with a Maverick, with a Maverick baseball agent. So uh, highly recommend, but you've had this great career where you've gone from the paper you mentioned, right. But then also the Cincinnati post, the Denver post, Bloomberg, ESPN, and then obviously now with the Major League Baseball Players Association, where you're senior advisor for player, uh, player agent and media relations. So I guess um, you talked about how you got your start. Maybe talk a little bit about, if you can, um, maybe each individual stop and sort of how that led to the next one. So obviously you started out with the Cincinnati paper. Um, how did that kind of lead to the next one? And um, and sort of how did you end up really with, with the with the Major League Baseball Players Association? Yeah, well, I actually worked in my hometown in uh, Portland, Maine for six or seven years. And I was covering, you know, AAA baseball and a bunch of different things. And I guess I got the job in Cincinnati in part because the main AAA team was the AAA team for the Philadelphia Phillies. And Jason Stark and Paul Hagen, who were a couple of the writers in Philadelphia, they would call, you know, I was the triple A writer and they'd say, what's going on? And I'd say, well, this guy packed his stuff up. I think he's coming up, you know? And so, uh, and I had that happen with me. Sometimes if you're a writer, you can connect with the minor league writers and they can kind of help and inform you. And, uh, so I wound up getting a job at the Cincinnati post in uh, the spring training, I guess, of uh, 1988 with, it was right around St. Patrick's day, really right. I guess it was probably what, 34 years ago today, right around this time. And uh, went down to Plant city, Florida and walked into the manager's office and there's Pete Rose sitting at his desk and, that was pretty daunting for a young writer um, and just learned, you know, there I was working for an afternoon paper. Um, so I'd usually try to look at maybe different angles from the morning writers and uh, uh, obviously no shortage of interesting things happened when I was there. Pete Rose, Marge Schott, the uh, 1990 when the Reds went wired a wire under Lou Pinella. Uh, a lot of things. Uh, and then from there, it just kind of, I don't know, I guess every four or five years, I felt maybe like I needed a change. So I went to Denver and worked at the Denver Post with a big newspaper war. And I was the national writer there. Um, we just would churn out 
tons and tons of big stories, you know, from the team to baseball trend stories. It was really kind of like a kid in a candy store to be able to pick these big feature ideas you could write about and um, did that for five years. Then I went to work at Bloomberg, the news service. Felt like I needed to maybe take a step away from the, we had a young family and wanted to get back East. So I worked there for five years and then wrote my book and then went to ESPN and was there for 15 years until 2000, uh, I'm trying to think, the end of 2018, I guess I was at ESPN. Oh. Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny, Jerry, I, I followed your stuff, uh, your writing, even going back to your days uh, with Bloomberg. I remember seeing uh, a lot of your writing there. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, uh, really with ESPN, both in your writing and also your, your color commentary in terms of, you know, having you on the different shows. Uh, and that really just an explosion in sort of sports media there. But I'm so curious as to, I, I would love to talk a little bit about your book and what the book's about. And then also, you know, it's so interesting to me. I wrote for Dodgers Nation for, I guess it was three years. I continue to write like a weekly column on like business stuff and in terms of entertainment and sports topics. What is it about? So I guess two part question. What is it about the game of baseball that's like so romantic? And maybe that's just you and me, just a couple of guys talking about why we love baseball. But uh, maybe talk a little bit about that and then um, and maybe where that passion for baseball comes from for you. And then also would love to hear about your book and what it's about. Yeah, well, I was a New England kid and, uh, you know, grew up with the Red Sox, I think, in 1966, you know, when I was eight. They were like the dregs of baseball. You know, they always finished way down in the standings. And then 1967 was the impossible dream season with Carl Yastrzemski and Jim Lonborg. And we were all captivated by it. You know, you remember back in the day, it sounds very, um, it sounds very sort of romantic, but, you know, you'd sit on the, sit on the porch with my dad and listen to the games on the, radio and it was kind of a bonding ritual between fathers and sons back in the day i think remember my first trip to fenway and uh you know george boomer scott and tony canigliaro and the whole crew um and then you know it just sort of baseball i think gets into your blood you know you just love the strategy to it the pace of it we all played it. I mean, I obviously didn't play well enough to advance past a certain level, but um, I just f always found it was the most conducive to, I think, good writing. You know, it wasn't free-flowing like hockey or basketball where it's kind of, you could really take a whole story and write about one pitcher batter matchup. You know, I just found that it was really so cerebral and, um, there was so much strategy that went on and there's so much tradition. And uh, plus it was also one of these games where as a writer, you're in the clubhouse every single day. So you would see little changes in the clubhouse dynamic, you know, was this player in a bad place? Was somebody mad at the manager? You know, I always found that background stuff sort of fascinating. And once I get into baseball, I guess you just, you know, some people go from sport to sport, but, but for me, I guess for 30 years, it was essentially all I did. 
Um, and as far as the book, um, I wrote a book on, uh, it was two agents, uh, Matt Sosnick and Paul Cobb. Matt is no longer in the business. Paul is still in the business with uh, Apex Sports is the agency. And um, I was always kind of fascinated by agents. I, I thought they played a huge role in the game that people weren't necessarily aware of. You know, I, I always found that players, I think, become very close to their agents and, uh, you know, from the minor leagues up through the big leagues. And so I wanted to follow it more through the eyes of a smaller agency that was trying to get a foothold against some of the behemoths and tried to deal with some of the, uh, you know, relationships that they formed, but then players would leave and how the business and the personal kind of came at odds with each other. And so, you know, the book did okay. It didn't sell millions of copies, but I did find that a lot of people said to me, hey, I read your book and that's why I decided to become an agent or I read your book and that's why I decided not to become an agent. We're here to talk about athletic greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. So reclaim your health with, with athletic greens and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Dreams is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. Okay, so uh, Jerry Krasnick, we're back, and we're talking about uh, your book, License to Deal. And you were saying that uh, after you had written the book, you had talked to a couple uh, up-and-coming agents and other folks that were involved and. Basically, the that they said, well, this book either encouraged me to become an agent or it discouraged me to become an agent, based on what you had sort of found by going out with a couple different agents across uh, across the country. So, maybe talk a little bit about um, the book and and sort of uh, what came out of it, and then we'll we'll close with a couple different questions. Yeah, at the time, I felt like uh, I hadn't written a book, and it was always on my to do list of things. I'd love to do. And I was trying to be a little bit different. Like how many more New York Yankees retrospectives do people need? Right. <laughs> so I, I've always had a, a, no offense to people who've written books on the Yankees. They're great. But I, I wanted to look at something a little bit different. Um, and I always had an interest in, uh, in the agent fraternity. I, I just think they play, sort of a, an important role that's unseen by the public. But in a lot of ways, the agents are, you know, the closest people to the players. Uh, 
you know, the player will call his wife after a game, but chances are his next call is going to be to his agent. And, uh, you know, they get these guys, they draft them, they stick with them through the minors and get them equipment. And then they, you know, kind of sweat as they get to the big leagues and they're not really making a whole lot of money. Um, and then they just try to hang on to them in this world of sharks where, you know, a lot of them are getting poached and, and leaving for different agents. And um, it's not really the great uh, greatest business model in the world, but a lot of people do try it. And uh, so I found these two agents in um, the San Francisco area, Matt Sosnick and Paul Cobb, who had worked in Silicon Valley and came into it as outsiders. They weren't baseball people per se. And uh, they got Dontrell Willis, who was their big client. Um, and I followed them around for a year and a half to uh, on a recruiting trip to Texas. Uh, I went to a card show, a national card show with them. Uh, I spent some time out in the Bay Area when they did their draft in June. I sat in the draft war room that they had with the post-it notes all over the wall. This was like 18 years ago. Um, and I wrote a book that I, I thought was a, a pretty good window into the business. Um, you know, the emotional attachments that these guys uh, form with players and the money they invest in them and just trying to see if they can hang on to them and if the players can have uh, successful careers and make it sort of a dual journey. Um, and, you know, I, I, Thought it would just be a little bit more interesting through the eyes of the underdog David versus the Goliaths, to, because I thought it might be a little bit more relatable to people. So it didn't sell particularly well, but I think uh, people through the years have said it was sort of a novel book that uh, they hadn't seen, and a couple college classes picked it up and used it. And uh, I, I was, I was, uh, took pride in it. And, uh, I'm glad to say I did it, but uh, did not make the Times bestseller list or anything like that. So uh, maybe if I do another one, it might fare a little bit better. All right. No, I love that. Well, I buy it, you know, so you got you got one buyer, but uh, no, that's fantastic. And I think I'm so glad you glad that you wrote it because I think it provides a different perspective. You know, I think sometimes when when law students or MBA students or whoever are asking, should I be an agent? They're usually asking another agent, and and I think it's nice to have uh, a non-agent perspective and to say this is what it was like uh, to experience that. Um, so maybe just a couple last two questions: one about your current work at MLBPA, and then lastly, maybe some words of wisdom you want to share uh, with folks. So, what is your current work at the Major League Baseball Players Association uh, in your role there now? Yeah, I came to the. Um... MLBPA in January of 2019, after my 15 years at ESPN ended, and um, uh, the the title is Senior Advisor for Player, Agent, and Media Relations, and I think the idea was that maybe since I have gotten to know a lot of people across a, a range of, uh, you know, a spectrum in the game, that I could sort of use those contacts and maybe be the eyes and ears on the ground a little bit, go into clubhouses and get on the phone with agents and 
and you know try to provide some information maybe that the PA wouldn't always get. Um, and that was kind of the way it played out, I guess, for the first year. But then when COVID happened, um, and then as you remember in uh, 2020, there were some very uh, serious negotiations with COVID and um, it just changed the dynamic a little bit because I wasn't going to New York. I couldn't go to the ballpark. So, uh, um, you know, I've had to change a little bit with my focus and the orientation of the job. And probably in the last year or so, it's really turned into more of a content producing job. Um, we do a lot of uh, videos and stories and Q&As with players maybe from a little bit of a different perspective, um, probably modeled a little on like the Players' Tribune when it came out. But um, I guess in general, maybe trying to look at some things that people normally might not think about. Like we did a series last year on players with 10 years of service time and uh, how meaningful that is to players beyond the financial ramifications. You know, even a guy like Mike Trout, um, who's probably going to play 20 years, uh, got to 10, and it was a huge thing for him because he was part of that fraternity. Um, we've recently started doing some videos. We did some, content, you know, workout videos, uh, kind of taking uh, you inside the gym with these guys with a bit of a hard knocks feel. Um we're trying to be creative and do some things with social media in a way that I don't think the PA has done in the past. And we've gotten a pretty good response to it. So, and for me, it's probably a little bit more in my wheelhouse, just being creative and trying to come up with story ideas and talking to players. And it's what I love to do and always did love to do. So, uh, you know, most days when I do it, I, I have a pretty good time with it. No, and I love that. And, and, you know, and it's, 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 it's frankly, it's the future, right? It's like, there's so many documentaries and, and content being pushed out about athletes and telling their stories. So I love that they've got you out there writing and sort of helping kind of bring some of these stories together and uh, really giving athletes a voice in that sense. Cause you know, we talked, it's, it's, we've talked a little bit about this, but it's like this idea that baseball is this romantic game. There's these great stories that go on. And for some reason, we've not done the best job at marketing that or telling that story. And so I, I really love that they're doing this and that, that, that you're leading that up. And so as a final question, Jerry, and again, appreciate you being with us, is um, this sort of like maybe some words of wisdom. You know, folks want to get into being a sports journalist. They want to get into working for, you know, for baseball. What, what is sort of some, maybe some advice you might be able to pass on to, to, to folks? Well, you know, I think you have to, I would tell kids, don't give up on your dreams, you know, just because people tell you that it's difficult to break in, don't necessarily do something you don't want, because a lot of your waking hours are going to be spent at work. So it's a lot easier and a lot better if you're doing something you love. Uh, but on the other hand, you also have to try to find a niche, maybe specialize uh, to just say, well, I want to work in baseball. Um, maybe isn't good enough anymore. You know, I, I think if you, if you're into the statistical analysis or 
you have a law degree or you speak Spanish. You know, that's something that I've really tried to work on later in life. Uh, but if you're a young kid and you can become fluent in Spanish, you really increase your odds of finding something exponentially, I think. You know, opportunities really will arise for you. Um, and you just have to be prepared to put in some long hours. Uh, you have to be prepared to take rejection, you know, apply for jobs and only one person's going to get that job. And even if you finish second or third, it might be a great achievement. You're not going to feel great about it, but you did do something. Um, and just keep plugging away at it. And if you can't work in, in baseball, then do something else and then write a blog on the side or, I don't know, try to work part-time for the local team as a as an usher. <laughs> Who knows? But just it, it, try to be around it, you know. And uh, nowadays with the blogs and, you know, YouTube and, and uh, the TikTok, I mean, it's so um, – if if you're witty and smart and you can do good content, there are people on TikTok who might have six or eight million followers that I've never heard of. So I think for young kids to be able to navigate that space um, and, you know, find an audience for something, if it's related to sports or anything, uh, there is an art to that. And if you're creative, I think you can do that. So, um, you know, I just think you really need to probably try to hone in a little bit though, you know, to just send out resumes and say, I want to work in sports. I, I think you have to really sit down and do some serious thinking. What are my strengths? Where do I see myself in five years or 10 years? And am I willing to take the steps to reach that goal? It's going to enhance your chances, certainly of getting to the right place. Right. No, I love that, Jerry. It's good advice. And, um, uh, frankly, maybe it's some advice I could use too. So <laughs> I love it, but, uh, really appreciate your time. And I know you're a busy guy and, and again, just love your work and, and love, uh, always enjoyed reading, you know, your, your articles and seeing you on ESPN and, um, you know, you're really part of like that original baseball crew, you know? And, uh, and so I, I love to see it, but, uh, wishing you all the best, my friend, and, 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 um, looking forward to, uh, to keeping in touch. Thanks, Jeremy. Have a nice day. Appreciate it. You too. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, thank you again for listening in. That was a wonderful interview with Jerry Krasnick, uh, baseball writer for over 30 years, uh, was at ESPN for over 15 years, and uh, was also a uh, commentator on TV on some of the shows. Very well known, very well respected in the baseball world, and um, also wrote a terrific book, License to Deal, about uh, some maverick baseball agents and sort of how the process goes when you're when you're coming up as an agent in, uh, in that field. And uh, we're very happy that he joined us for the show. And uh, thank you again for listening in and making the Believe in Sports Law podcast, number one sports law podcast in the world. And looking forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.